0: So we gotta have words tonight about the, the North American Soccer Hall of Fame because it's it's out of hand. It's not okay. I mean,
1: can I give the TLDR? Yeah. Abolish it and start it from scratch with totally new induction rules.
0: Alright, there's that sorted. Uh for those of you who don't know, uh today as we record this uh Tuesday night, uh was the the day they made the announcement on who made this year's class. It was one person. It was Carlos Bocanegra. Congratulations to him. Hope he deserves Solo, it. He, he yeah. does. Hope Solo also deserved it. Whatever you think nope. of her off the field life, she's
1: they, the best goalkeeper no in
0: yeah, soccer there's history. There's probably no equal to her. Jaime um, Moreno saw his player induction window close. Uh, When he did not make it this year, which is ridiculous. He's the founding member of the 100 100 club in MLS. Only one other person, Landon Donovan, who they named the MVP trophy after. Only one other person has done what he has done in Major League Soccer. No one else is his equal. And he can't get a sniff of of the Hall of Fame as a player. And also, it's absurd. It and is also, ridiculous. My,
1: my favorite USMNT player of all time also got denied, Steve Cherundolo. And I mean, he's the best right back in the history of US soccer. He captained a Bundesliga team. What else you hey, gotta I, do? The, this is,
2: a, it's an ongoing thing. Like this is a, a problem that's been in place for as long as I've thought about the Hall of Fame voting process, it's been a problem. You know, Marco Etcheverry couldn't get in. Um, there is a anti-foreign player bias. Um, I think that's pretty clear. It's real bad. Um, it's real bad. The, I don't know where in the voter base that hostility is, but it's there um, because otherwise these guys are like slam dunk, you know, automatic picks. Um, the, the votes within... Even even American players that did so much for their national team, the votes are mystifying. Uh, there's not, it's not like they're a bunch of great. This isn't like baseball where there's like 150 years of history where you're like, well, these guys did X, Y, and Z statistically. American soccer was mostly very bad for a very long time, um, and, and all the players that did well in that era, they got voted in because they were the they already in. players. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's it's a farce um the hall of fame voting process is a farce and i don't know if it's the entirely the media vote or the player vote or whatever voting bracket it is maybe it's a little bit of all of them but i brought
1: i brought this up a little bit and this isn't that germane to the particulars of this vote but by the bylaws jurgen klinsman has a vote do you think he knows he has a vote do you think he's ever voted do you think he's voted? Yeah, I oh, think he probably
2: has. When he was the head coach of the national team, he probably got like a email saying, hey, this is due, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so but he he's probably a, did he, vote then.
1: He hasn't, been, he hasn't been the head coach of the national team for a while now. And like, he still has a vote forever. Sure. Uh, yes, as
2: long as he is alive, he gets to vote.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm with Those you then. Um, but does he? The, the North American Soccer Hall of Fame has no validity as a hall of fame as a museum. It might be really cool. I know they have some, some pretty neat artifacts down there in Frisco, Texas, but as a hall of fame to honor the greats of North American soccer, it has no validity. And also, um, Adam, Adam, I do not Adam, recognize it as such anymore.
1: Also, Adam, let me, let me just be uh, particular cause it matters a little bit. It's not the North American soccer hall of fame. It is the national Soccer Hall of Fame. National
0: Soccer Hall of Fame, not North American. Okay, my apologies for the.
1: uh, It matters a little bit, but like it matters very slightly, yeah. Also, like. If they don't want to. If they don't want to elect people who are. Who have played soccer in America and who did a great job in soccer in America, but just didn't happen to be American, then. What are we even doing here? I mean, that's for Jaime Moreno. Like, it's even worse with Hope Solo. Hope Solo is American. Like we said, one of the best goalkeepers of all time, just men or women. And, like, it's insane that she's not in.
0: Yeah, it's it's bad. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is (laughs) Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and we recognize no American Soccer Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Ben Bromley jason anderson we are all from blackandredunited.com where we talk about dc united even when we would rather not and despite getting a point over the weekend tonight is one of those nights dc united zero nyc huh? zero
1: I, I don't remember a game
0: yeah you're um that's that's a survival mechanism kicking in we're gonna we're gonna Break through that trauma. We're going to work it no, out. Adam,
1: Adam, 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 I, I I, need this. I need to know there's not a game that happened on Sunday.
0: The mute button is right there, buddy. Just use it as you need it. Okay. All right. In the second segment, we will have Mark Fishkin on from the Seeing Red podcast to help us preview uh, this weekend's visit from the New York Red Bulls. That game Saturday, September 12th, 7 p.m. at Audi Field Watch it on WJLA 24-7 News, DCUnited.com, or ESPN+. plus. Before we get to anything, let's do a, a nice, extended, procrastinating edition of our, our traditional segment. Jason, what are you drinking?
2: If you really want me to drag this thing out... No, um, we don't. I don't have a good story, is the
1: problem. Um,
2: I, something something,
1: eerie, Pennsylvania?
2: No, I did not do anything having to do with Erie, Pennsylvania, this week.
1: Um, is there a brewery
0: in Erie, Pennsylvania? We could. You I'm know, sure there I, is.
1: I I, I think I've had beer.
0: beers
2: from a brewery there. I just can't remember the name. Uh, of No, it the no, I I,
1: I I regret this. We've already talked too much about Erie. Yeah. Pennsylvania.
2: See, yeah, Ben, this is your fault. Um, it is. Uh, I was making. I, I was making a little like an attempt at chicken shawarma. Uh, without having the spit, so you can't do it the the real way. So I was trying to do my best with what I had. Um, and I finished eating, and I realized what time it was. So I took some Evan Williams and put it in a pint glass, put in some ice, and then topped it off with Coca Cola. I'm having a bourbon and Coke. Wow! Full
1: full sugar Coke or Coke Zero or Diet Coke? Oh, full or?
2: sugar. If I'm gonna drink a soda, I might as well get the the full deal.
1: Ah.
2: I try not to drink them very much at all. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going all out.
0: Yeah, same. Uh, Not not uh, saying here. (laughs) Yeah, I don't drink sweet beverages, really, hardly ever. Um, I do drink plenty of alcohol, though. Tonight I've got um, some old Overholt rye, some uh, fever tree smoky ginger ale, and some lime with ice in a glass. Um, It's it's mule like but the the ginger in there, the smoky ginger ale, is not as strong as ginger beer, so it's not it doesn't kick like a mule, basically, um, but it's like a mule light kind of experience with a little bit of smoke in there
3: uh, it's it's nice it's it's a It's a pleasant beverage Ben Yes, <laughs> what are you drinking?
1: Thank you. Um, so, my dear wife—that was, wife, was,
0: was one way to extend the segment—is just ignore my cues and just make me ask the question.
1: Everyone, I, please keep listening the podcast. That. Adam, this is an this is an audio medium, not a visual medium. Don't don't abandon us, listeners. You can see
0: me though. You can see me pointing at you, and you just shrugged at me.
1: Yep. <laughs> um. My my dear wife has recently been very back into Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, she had a lot of it in high school in the mountains of Virginia. Um, and she's been back into it recently. So I've got Mountain Dew and Diet Mountain Dew, rather, and Vodka. Which, ah, we'll, we'll see it. I mean, you, you've already seen how this episode has gone so far. So it's just going to be more of this.
2: I mean, ben, ben, this that, is that, like... Uh, we're talking about a game that was unpleasant. So this is very close to the like full drink version of us doing our unpleasant shot
1: beforehand. (laughs) Basically.
0: Yeah. But with a lot more caffeine, which is probably what, you know, you need to get through this game.
1: Well, yes, that's true.
0: (laughs) Getting to it. The good news is that DC United earned their second straight clean sheet uh, against a team (laughs) ahead of them in the standings. I think we can end it there. Thank you so much for listening.
2: Find us at Black Say goodnight, Jason. Day. Can <laughs> we, I can extend, I can extend good news to two more sentences, I think. All right, do it. Okay. Chris Seitz had another game where he looked pretty solid, uh, better than he had been playing in the previous, you know, Fair. 2019 appearances. Yes. Um Did well. 2019? And
1: yeah, his 2019 appearances oh, were.
2: okay.
1: Yeah. I mean his 2020 appearances before the last two the weeks. Philly, were also yeah, the bad. Philly
2: game was also I, I guess that one gets lumped in. Um the other the other good news sentence is uh Chris Odoy HM came back, played 21 minutes. Uh O'Neal Fisher played. So some guys are getting closer to healthy. Yeah. That's it. All right. No
0: one else yeah, got, got injured? Yeah, that's yeah, true. I mean at this point that's that's almost a win in and plus. Of itself. <laughs> um the actual news from from this dc united held shotless only the second team in mls history the first team to get a point without taking a recorded a- shot asterix we can talk about that if you want to yeah so. sure um, uh DC united got, the, the other the other instance in mls yeah. history was in 2017 the new england revolution held against held without a shot against atlanta united Losing seven to nothing.
2: <laughs> that's see, that's how this could have gone if New York City scored an early goal. I feel like, um, yeah, this could have been one of those. Uh, but yeah, I am of the opinion that DC did have a shot attempt. Uh, I know Adam does not necessarily agree. Um, neither does Opta. Uh, well, yes, well, Opta sometimes is wrong. Um, and this was one where, I, there, however.
1: <laughs> Adam, however, is never
0: wrong. Uh, no, so Jason and I disagreed. Uh, Julian Gressel had a a cross shot. Uh, it's he, funny he that he struck later, the ball.
2: I think we he, can he agree.
0: He struck the he, ball he
2: forward. the ball
0: in the general direction of the box. Yes. Um, and it ended up curling out, almost going out for a goal kick, and then, in fact, going out for a throw-in um, on the far <laughs> touch line.
1: No, uh, no, not a shot.
0: I I, not bad. I thought he he was looking for Kamara's head on that. He was not looking for the goal. If what had happened was what um, Teal Bunbury did later that night, also based on his reaction, very definitely looking for a cross and just mishit it and floated it over the keeper into the net. Uh, it would have gone down as a shot, whatever his intent was, but because it, it didn't, I, I, I don't think he meant it to be a shot. So I'm okay. Not calling it a shot.
2: See, yeah, I think he he was one looking for goal, and two, his his if it were a cross, he missed Kamara by more than he missed the goal. Um, so, for using that as a judge, then I would say that also points to it being a shot. It doesn't make me feel better that if right. it is one, It's a one shot <laughs> attempt that went that badly. Um, but uh, I feel like
1: if your shot attempt went out for a throw, it doesn't count as a shot.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I think if you do, if you have a shot that goes that bad, it has to be taken down. If it were a <laughs> shot, it has to be taken down it's as a shot. So you, can, you have to, yeah, so you, you have to remember the bad times, so you can live there in your wrongness and be wrong. I yes, I I remember. Um, my friends and I went back to. We lived down the street from the University of Maryland, and one night we decided to um try to walk in to Cole, Cole Field House, the old basketball arena, became um like a miniature turf field for a while. And the university set up mini goals and we're like, you guys can play five on five soccer here while we figure out what we're gonna do with the building. Um inside inside on the basketball court. Um became artificial turf and and you could play soccer there. So after I'll we smile. left school, we went to campus one night, we're like, let's just see if we can just sort of walk in and get a game in real quick. Um and No one asked for our IDs, so we just sort of hung out and waited, and eventually it became clear that one team was leaving. It was like, we're next, right? Um, And none of us had played in a while, and one of the first things that happened in the game was a uh, clearance went to me, and I tried to hit it on the volley, and it hit the outside of my right foot and spun horizontally away from me in a straight line to one of my teammates. Um, And after the game, he was like, that was an amazing pass. How did you do that? And I was like, I was going for goal. Uh, I was taking a shot. I am clear. I want to be clear. That was a shot attempt. The ball hit the very outside of my foot. I almost missed it entirely. And the fact that it went to you is a, an after effect of my badness in that moment. Um, I will not pretend that that was a a pass of any kind. It was a shot.
0: Most of my thinking rests on the fact that Gressel put so much curl on it. I think if he goes for goal, he's, he's not curling it quite as much, but that is my own conjecture. Um, we could uh, maybe we can ask him someday if if this should have gone I, down I'm, as a shot. I'm
1: Adam, I'm, Adam, remember this game. Adam, do you think he's going to want to talk about this? Would you no, waste? Would you we waste are one hashtag of your- journalists and we must ask the hashtag hard questions. If we ever get Julian Gressel on this podcast, do you think he's going to w- want to remember that?
0: <laughs> Again
1: uh not our job to worry that about one? what he
0: wants to remember
1: but it it's is our job for us
0: <laughs> ben getting into full self-preservation mode here
1: <laughs> it's bad on so many levels
0: so dc united ran out a very defensive uh game plan this was not a a shotless effort that was just bad execution um Though there there was some bad execution at the attacking end. The plan I mean, was it, was, to it defend. was bad
1: execution.
0: The plan was to defend first, second, and last. And that's what they did. And they executed that game plan well enough to keep <laughs> NYCFC off the board. They had some help I, from bad finishing by the blues, but
1: Thanks I also hate it.
0: Yeah. Uh the game plan, incidentally, exactly the opposite of what Ben Olsen said. It would be after the the Red Bulls game, which reminds me of a, a statement from our friend uh, Kim McCauley, who who once said very flatly uh, on this podcast, actually, uh, Ben Olsen's a troll. <laughs> he will he will often in the media say the exactly the opposite of what he means. Not always, but often enough that you always have to be thinking about it. And uh, yeah, he he said that D.C. United would not be able to play the the bunker that they did against the Red Bulls against NYCFC and come away with a point and yet that's exactly what they did um so
2: yeah i i mean i think NYCFC i, th- I think planned for two possibilities i think they planned for DC wants to come at us and they also planned for they're going to do what they did against the Red Bulls um and after 20 minutes or so it became obvious to NYCFC that it was it was the latter and that they are better at controlling the ball than the Red Bulls and from that moment on it just became nonstop just offense versus defense um and uh yeah there's a there's a good slice of luck involved in this draw i mean the defense get, given that the assignment was to just defend uh and that no attacking play could be had if you bring up the uh, the same Opta thing that I've just been critical of, you can see that DC uh, DC attempted four passes within 30 yards of goal in <laughs> 90 minutes. Um, so once you take that into account and you say, you're going to have to defend for 90 minutes, you will not get to attack. There will be no attacking. You, there will be no breaks. Uh, you will not get, it will not relent. Um, they did a, a pretty good job in that context. Context is very important, but they, they did a good job, but at the same time, they also really should have given up at least two goals. Yeah. Um, one, one bad refereeing and one uh, just an absolutely unfathomable miss by Keaton parks. Uh, what? 24th minute, 25th minute. Yeah.
0: Eight yards from goal, completely open. Just F- missed net. it.
2: Yep. Just shot up. one.
0: Not marked. Like, yeah.
1: So, I get I get everything that we're all saying right now but all what I keep coming back to is this was a team playing at home that had no recorded shots on goal had 30% possession and never felt threatening in any way shape or form and even with the injuries they've had and the injuries are notable like this is completely unacceptable A run out from a team that is playing at home and is expected to do at least something when they play at home. And I mean, right now,
0: home and (laughs) and road doesn't matter right now. You're not entertaining your fans any more than you're doing on the road. I don't care about home and road right now. And I don't think Ben Olsen does either.
1: I don't care. I don't care what Ben Olsen thinks. I care about what the team is doing on the field and they're doing nothing. And they they got to sleep in their beds. They got to do they got to have their all of their uh regular uh pre-game, your wa- pre-game warmups, creature comforts and they ran out with 30% possession and zero shots on goal. So it's just not accept- it's just not acceptable. And, and again,
0: you're you're talking about player things. I think the players executed the game plan almost perfectly the problem what that you have is with the game plan and that's why i brought up yes, ben olsen because agree. it's his thinking that defines the game plan yeah, right yeah. now he doesn't have to worry about entertaining fans in the stands and but but he's, also, but he's he's also not... with the injuries he's had he's facing this is what he decided and that's something i want to talk about more okay. um i want to talk about that because i've said on this podcast uh, since the end of mls is back that i i don't care about results in this like results for results sake during this sprint i wanted to see the process i wanted to see the team get into the identity that ben olson talked about wanting that's more attacking that's more pressing that's more fun to watch versus just going out there and getting wins and i understand the calculus ben olson has made that you're not necessarily always able to do that when you're missing more than half of your starting lineup. However, commit to the bit, I think, is is the right call. You well, have You have young players on your bench who can play that way. You have players who want to play that way. And he said himself, it's not fun to play the way they have against the Red Bulls and against NYCFC. And I know that they're playing a game every three days, which is about the hardest thing in the world to do but i don't know that it's harder to try to possess the ball and press a little bit versus defending for 90 minutes in 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 deep because that's just such a high mental tax load in addition to having to make sprints and constantly shifting and i don't know i don't agree with his decision either i'm trying to understand it and i
1: I, well and if that was if that was his decision. If that was his decision, I disagree with it. So I disagree with it on both levels. I disagree that I don't think the execution was there. And I also disagree with his decision to go ultra defensive. Because you're just I feel like he's just kneecapping the team on both levels. And like you were saying, like this team has This team has a lot of injuries. We all know that. But this team also has young players. This team has uh, ways that it can do better than what it's been doing. But I feel like they're playing to the least common denominator right now. They're playing down to just grind out draws. And they're not maximizing even the limited potential that this roster has right now. So it's, it's, it's not good on many levels. I would
2: say the the Red Bulls game one that was a better version of what this was supposed to be because it came with an attacking threat and because it came with spells of possession that were designed to slow the game down. Um they did a good job of defusing the things the Red Bulls do well. Um it's not and it that's not about that doesn't change if Sorgo shot doesn't go in. Um they made that game hard on the Red Bulls. Um I think and they
0: should have had a goal or two before Sorga's right. goal, if like the finishing is actually there.
2: But the the NYCFC game, it's a different opponent playing a different way. Um, it's a team that is much better at keeping the ball and being patient. The Red Bulls are not particularly technically gifted in the way that NYCFC's team on the night is technically gifted. They don't have a lot of patience. Their whole style of play is based around not allowing patient things to happen. It's a, it's an impatient style of play. Uh, NYC is perfectly comfortable keeping the ball for a long time. Um, so from that, on that front, I feel like it was a mistake to try and, um, play this low of a block. Uh, you agree with doing... last
0: week, Ben Olson, who said that I that would be a in... mistake.
2: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it was a good read on the Red Bulls, um, but there's you don't have to take that over to the next game. Even if you're naming an unchanged lineup with the same formation, same players, you don't have to play the same way. Um, yep. And I think some of it is the fact that NYCFC figured it out quickly and were ready uh, for that being a possibility. Um, so that made things a lot harder. Uh, the fact that they were not, impatient that they were not just starting to hoof it um or trying to dribble down blind alleys they were always moving to try and change the shape of things to open things up they were doing what you're supposed to do if a team says we're going to defend this deep with this many numbers what are you going to do about it they approached the game correctly they like we've said they should have won the game um the part the park's goal should have counted um the goal they did score late in the game was called back for a shoulder being called as a handball uh, is what I feel like is what happened um, completely. Yeah, it was a mistaken,
0: call. like, yeah,
2: just a, yeah. VAR, yeah. I think
0: couldn't overturn it because the whistle went right. before the shot, which if, is also a mistake. It, yes. <laughs> it's just yeah. also them getting uh, that wrong. Ted, Ted uncle saved this point. Ted uncle might've been the man of the yeah. match, honestly. Um, and, and it's just not for, that for that one play.
2: That, there's also the, the penalty kick VAR that took about two minutes that I think they got that one, right. But if they had said, that that was a handball. I would have been like, yeah, well, you know, this is what happens when you defend the box for this long. Eventually something happens. That's bad. Yeah. I'm um, pretty sure
0: both of Fred Briant's hand arms made contact yes. with the ball on that point. The one. He was
2: trying to get tucked in, hit the ball in his other arm, which um, was
0: flat on the ground. Like he, neither was intentional. Neither is, is handling sure. the ball intentionally, but you know, right. When the but, ball hits your hand in the box, it's, it's up to fate at that point, And fate, didn't smile so much as made an awkward attempt at a smile at DC United
2: fate frowned on NYCFC. Yes. That's what that I think that's, um, that's, that's
0: the right way to put it. DC
2: United it. was the vessel for uh, fate lashing out at the pigeons for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I think it was the wrong approach. Um, not just from the obvious, the obvious thing, which is that none of us want to watch our team play like that. Uh, it's not okay. fun. Uh, I, those players do not want to play like that. Um, we don't want to continue
1: uh, talking about this team playing this way. Right.
2: Um, you know, Ben Olsen didn't come out and apologize for playing that way, but he almost apologized in the post-game press conference. Um, he knew I, I I get the sense that he probably did apologize to the players for asking them to do that. Um, so it's not you know, it's not good in in a lot of different ways. Um all to get one point um is also you know, it's one thing if you play that way and you come out with a win and you create a few looks, then you say, you know, it it, it can start to justify itself a little bit. But to just get a 0-0 in a, in a league, we're not talking about like home and away in the playoffs, um, where the first leg you're just you're trying to get out of there and not give the other team anything. Um, yeah, this was as there's a, people are upset uh i think almost to a certain degree they would be more or less upset if it had ended in a loss on top of everything the fact that it's a draw is is made it just bizarre and a little perverse that this this ended with a point um yeah this this was not not fun um and i i don't want to see it i would rather uh i would rather see united roll the dice on you know, if if the team is too tired and too banged up to start the same eleven over again, then Rotate. make some changes. Um, yeah, Griffin, yeah, you know,
1: Eric Sorga. I mean, they're Motor you got, Diamond, you Get got a there. little bit of options. Um, like even with yeah, the injuries, you, there the, are a few options.
2: D. C. had this is the first time in like four games, I think, that they've had the full twenty player bench available. Um, so yeah, th- there were there were things that could be done. To give the team some life, and maybe, maybe even just say, okay, yes, we're going to be defensive tonight, but we are going to have some pressing triggers. We are going to have uh, some counter-attacking moves that are are planned. Um, we're going to have something, and that none of that was on the table. Um, or there was if one it was, build up The execution this, was real bad.
0: There was one build up in the first half that looked like it was almost rehearsed it was really really nice and ended with you know what what could have been a shot if the final ball had been there and it's like yes more of that that looked really nice that was fun they they did have 10
2: seconds of fun
0: you
2: know what's funny is that dc did end up beating the goalkeeper as often as nycfc did which is to say uh once because yamil asad did score it's just that he was like two yards offside um <laughs> he was and nuts. shot like after the whistle
0: um yes but and then claimed that he couldn't hear the whistle when when yes. ted uncle went to talk to him to avoid the yellow card he's like i didn't hear it
2: yeah um, um, all
0: the sound being pumped in from the speakers and the the drummers the, in the the hallway that,
2: the yeah the um the four i when i drove up to the stadium there were four people with drums outside of gate a and then at halftime they moved to gate b and because there's more of an awning there so they could be louder and so they were much louder in the second half because they were a like physically closer to the press box but b under a covered area rather than just out uh in the main plaza in front of the stadium um but yeah uh the whole experience was weird it was a weird game to to watch the home team do that um but also weird to like come up and have your temperature taken uh I had to fill out the health questionnaire, but not give the paper or the pen to any other human being. I had to take my pen and put it in a bin. And then I had to hand the piece, or I had to put the piece of paper on a folder of other pieces of paper that other people had filled out that had gotten there before me. Um, so yeah, the whole process was very strange. Uh, altogether, a, a extraordinarily odd night that uh, it wasn't the best, um, you know, yeah. What's Clubs. funny is that we're talking about a playoff team still, yeah. Um, DC that that expanded still playoff field, a we're playoff still in team ten. which
1: Paid doesn't,
0: and, and the East is still weirdly bunched up too. Like a win against the Red Bulls here puts DC United, you know, well above the playoff
2: line <laughs> potentially. Yeah, I mean, there are there are a handful far of teams that are clearly differentiating themselves in the East. You know, Columbus, Philly, TFC, Orlando. They have separated themselves from the rest. Um, the rest of us are all
1: kind of the same, uh, Adam. Uh, so, Adam, speaking of uh, DC United being a playoff team, do you like power rankings? Don't mean anything. Do you? But do you want to guess where DC United is in this week's MLS power rankings? I'm gonna guess third to last. Uh, you are incorrect. They are 26 out of 26. Okay, despite being unbeaten in two games. <laughs> oh jason i used to be mad saying that it's it's funny i know but it's true but it's, it's a farce it's just, but it's, it just yeah. made me angry that you said uh, that. all right
0: i i do want to get to some sure. transfer news before things, we uh we call things this and segment. concepts transferred yeah we can call <laughs> yes. it that. things and stuff um, not stuff nothing tangible things uh, and we, things was exchanged. DC United today it was announced traded uh, an international roster spot to the Montreal Impact for a combined $225,000 of general allocation money over 2 years. I think 75k of that is in 2020 and the rest is in 2021. I assume Montreal has the the international slot through the end of the 2021 season and it's not Did just you? a half it- season rental. Uh, That that was in,
1: that was in the, uh, that was in the release. Yeah.
0: So uh, right now, DC United are uh, maxed out on international roster spots. They've traded four of them away. They have four of them filled, but they have Edison Flores right now on the injured list where he does. So they're not not even maxed out where he does not take up an international roster slot until they want to reactivate him.
1: They are actually
0: overdrawn. Yeah. I hate it and I don't um, understand this. I assume I, there's there's another f- shoe that's going to drop. Yeah, no, I, I have no idea what it could be.
2: It is going to just leave because... Flores, Right. Um, and the green card situation is not as short as people might think. Um, this is something that... Um, Kamara reset
1: his number when he went to yeah, China. When,
2: when, when I got to talk to Dave Casper last August about that transfer, that was one of the things that he was very clear on was that when he moved to China, his green card process had to—it's—it it, all of the progress he had made is now gone, and he had to go start over. So when he signed with the team, was day one. And normally, now sometimes the other teams around MLS have done this very quickly. Maybe DC has decided to invest in that, and the green cards employers. are faster than they have in the yeah. past. Um, but if they are sticking with the t- team's normal process. Kamara is about 13 months into a 24 month process if that's if the norms it, of the past are what's true. And Emil Assad would be about similar, right? Yeah. Um Assad because his previous times in MLS were both on loan right. and then he was out of the country for almost a exactly. full year. Um his his would be even further back because his contract didn't begin until uh the end of last year when his Vela Sarsfield deal ended. Because he, when he was re-signed, it was on a pre-contract, so his other contract had to run out. Um,
1: right, but it might if he. Who knows when he moved to the United States? Right, which I, which um, and, I think would and, matter
2: more for the. Well, time green card, time of employment is. is is a major okay. determinant, from what I've heard. So, gotcha, in any gotcha, case, gotcha. wherever it is, it's a mystery. But it's not wh- what we can not say good. is that it's probably not <laughs> about to happen. Yeah. Um And Helman Rivas just signed with the team. Um,
1: never played in
2: the united states before yeah eric storga only signed at the beginning of the year um so it's very very doubtful that any of these guys and flores Flores, yeah only signed signed at the beginning of the year year. so it's very unlikely unless the team invested in speeding these things up in the way that like seattle and atlanta have managed to do um unless that's a thing that happened i don't see green cards coming in um could be wrong. This is a thing that we this is an opaque thing that suddenly we'll just find out one day, hey, these guys got their green cards. But yeah. until they tell us, or until we happen to find out somehow um where their the status on those is, uh there is no fix uh for this situation. I do not know what they're gonna do because if you trade in your national roster spot to you know they trade to Montreal. So you say, okay, Montreal, we have Montreal in a good position where they are in an acute need and we can get more than we normally would. But everyone else around the league is going to know that you are now in need. Um, right. Yeah. And the gain that you just had is most likely going to go out the window. So I assume there is something else coming. There's got to be something else in the works. that DC hasn't just given these away for no reason in the past. There's usually... uh. Trading a side back to Atlanta. I I mean, maybe, I don't know. Um, But yeah, it's it's an odd one. I did not anticipate the team trading away an international roster spot. Um, They do seem to be stockpiling general allocation money, so maybe they've got enough where if they have to make that move to open up that spot again, that it's not that big of a deal, but it is odd, and it doesn't necessarily portend well for reinforcements to be arriving soon because most of the reinforcements that are signable in professional soccer are not going to qualify as domestic players in mls sign pulisic you cowards i'm i'm on board yeah i'm not
0: going to top that so we're going to call this a segment and uh we will be right back to talk about the next game and never speak of this game again stick around it's filibuster All right. say you're at work, and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens, and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right?
1: Yeah, you called the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights.
0: That's right. And your rights matter and you deserve to be free from harassment and you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office uh, If you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you go to erlichlawoffice slash filibuster Welcome back to filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It seems like It was only a week ago, because it was only a week ago, that our beloved DC United were pulling down an improbable stoppage time winner in New Jersey to claim an Atlantic Cup match at Red Bull Arena for the first time in entirely way too long. Even so, the Red Bulls visit Buzzard Point this weekend. Watch it 7 o'clock on WJLA 24-7 News Saturday night. Uh, also on DCUnited.com if you're in the immediate area, or ESPN Plus if you're further afield. Mark Fishkin hosts the Seeing Red podcast, and he graciously agreed to hang out with us tonight and give us some insight into the metros and that, that we might not have had before. Mark, welcome back to the podcast.
3: Hey, thanks, guys. It's always great to talk. It's uh, It's a strange time, given that both teams are really not in a good place right now. Really, who
0: among us is in a good place right now? It's twenty twenty. It, it's come for all of us. I mean
1: the Columbus That's, crew are pretty good. Yeah. They are. I, Even Philadelphia. I've heard, I've heard some good things. guys. Philadelphia's pretty good. Yeah, I I, I still feel like psychologically like they're to not
0: gonna be in great places.
1: <laughs> I mean not many No matter how good they are, right.
0: are on the field. Mark, what are you drinking tonight? Listen,
3: after uh the butt whooping that the Red Bulls got from the union this past weekend. I'm, I'm honestly staring at a, at a ice cold glass of bleach because I want to cleanse my, my soul from a team that has fallen so far from grace. Less than two years ago, this team was raising their third shield in six years and they look absolutely nothing like that team uh in a year and a half s time and it is for a lot of red bull fans uh i'm an og 96er but for the fans that have really joined in the red bull era red bull arena era they've never seen this level of uh just lack of quality from the side and so yeah that, that bleach is looking pretty good about now
0: well um I guess on some level, I'm proud that we will be your final podcast appearance. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't take any joy in saying that, but <laughs> uh, not, not to add to the the trauma here, but I wanted to start off asking you to walk through your experience of Eric Sorg as winner at Red Bull Arena, um, just given the game that had happened up to that point and everything.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a, a so-metro moment of so-metro moments. I mean, it was a game <laughs> where the Red Bulls, by all uh, accounts, by by anyone looking at this match, would have identified which team was the better side on the night. The Red Bulls have forgotten where the net is. They don't know how to score. They've scored two goals in their last seven games. Uh, they have a, a series of unproven young strikers that uh, have been unable to score. And as the, the clock turned from the 96th minute to the 97th minute, uh, the idea that, that D.C. was going to get one more shot. I mean, and and all the Red Bulls fans that I know were very much aware of what was about to happen. I mean, it was it was as clear as the writing on the wall that this was going to be the moment that they were gonna chuck it all away. And credit to Sorga. Um you know, they really just needed to defend one more kick and they were unable to do it. So you gotta feel good for Sorga, uh a lone bright spot in your season, guys. Uh, unless you know <laughs> I mean, we, hey, unless that you was call, I mean I mean unless you call not attempting a shot in, in ninety plus minutes against uh, New York City at home a high point of your season, but uh, I was going to say uh, yeah, that was I mean, actually our hint, last recorded cut. hint. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, nevertheless, it was just another bonkers uh, chapter in the rivalry between these two teams. Uh, and it was, it was just so Metro. There's really no other way to describe it.
1: So Mark, uh, after the game, Eric Sorg, uh, uh after the DC United game, Eric Sorg, uh uh, ushered the Chris Armis era over. Uh, the, yeah. How much of it was Chris Armis in your mind and how much of it is the, uh, the New York Red Bulls front office? Like, is getting rid of Chris Armas gonna fix things or does the whole team need a more comprehensive uh, restructuring to, to make things right?
3: Right. Well, I mean, the recent the recent history of this club is, and again, Jesse Marsh leaves leaves in the middle of the 2018 team to to coach for Red Bulls in Europe. Chris Armis is elevated to head coach. It's his first pro head coaching experience. The team actually improves on their record in 2018 uh, with Armis over Marsh's record. But at the same time, in the in the first half of the season, the team was winning matches four nil. 5-1, 3-0 on a regular basis, and then and then amount of goals scored by the Red Bulls dropped and the games got tighter. They they won their last five games of the 2018 season 1-0 on their way to their third shield. Uh, so they're playing, playing Benny Ball. You know, well, I, I'm not going to say they're playing Benny Ball, but I'll say <laughs> that, 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 that Chris Armis, as a player, right, was a hard-nosed central defensive midfielder, and that's how he played, right, by getting stuck in and fight by fight. And um, so even then, there were a lot of fans that, yes, the team was winning, and, yes, it was terrific. And then, of course, he famously decided not to press Atlanta United in the first leg of their Eastern Conference Finals match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and easy as you like, they get tattooed three nil, basically ending that series, Atlanta goes on a win. Twenty nineteen, the club was a five hundred team. And you know, like the D C United uh teams of your five hundred after you've you've won the Shield three times and you finish first a couple of other times in the East and you're you're in the playoffs every year just really wasn't cutting it. Now at the same time, um, you know, Kamar Lawrence left the team Luis Robles left the team, Bradley Phillips left the team and Maria left the team. Tyler Adams left the team and you're left with half the team and they literally are a different team now than the one that, that won the 18th shield. And so you can make the argument that it, it certainly wasn't just Chris Armas that was leading New York into this era of decline. Um, At the beginning of the year, Kevin Fellwell, who built some spectacular teams at Wolves in the EPL and Wolves has been incredibly successful for a team of their spending power comes over to New York um signaling that it's change actually said in a press conference, no, 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 we're not rebuilding. This team has the talent to win, which they don't. And uh because no, no one is, cringing right now about facing up against Matthias Jorgensen. I, I assure you of that. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think Armis, listen, it's very, very tough to follow a coach like, um, you know, like, like Jesse Marsh. And I feel yeah. bad for Armis. I mean, Marsh is a transcendent type of guy. And um Armis could have been, you know, the coach of the year and it still wouldn't have been the same just in terms of his most motivational skills, his ability to communicate, um, his understanding in terms of what was going on. I mean, Chris, I think will be a really good coach in the future, but I I just don't think he could get anything more out of a team with this little talent, frankly. And yes, there are good. There's some good players on this team. Um, Aaron Long is still on this team. Tim Parker is still on this team. Danny Royer is still on this team. Kaku is still on this team, but, all of them have regressed um, and you can't fire all the players. And so, you know, there are a lot of folks after the, the loss to Philly this weekend that said, oh, gee, I guess it wasn't Chris Armas after all. But the fact of the matter is the team is, has not been motivated to play to their highest level in some time. Um, we think that Fellwell in his opportunity to remake the team in his own image, will probably bring a higher profile coach. I don't know if it's a high profile coach, but definitely a higher profile coach. And, you know, you can only hope that Salzburg, uh, Salzburg largesse will allow the team to spend some money on another key player because, you know, playing your kids and uh, pressing you to death uh, hasn't, you know, has some great regular season teams, but this fan base doesn't want another regular season championship
2: uh mark you mentioned you know the fact that motivation has appeared to be a problem um i think it's i mean correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like the red bull way of playing soccer worldwide involves this high pressure um so a new coach isn't going to come in and be like we're going to play a much slower tempo or anything like that they're going to have to adapt to the red bull style of play so i guess what i'm wondering is um, whether it's Bradley Carnell, the, the interim coach or the the coach that gets hired to be the full-time head coach, um, what is, what is he going to do without, if, if there is no big move coming, what is he going to do with this group beyond motivation? That's going to get them to be at least effective, if not, you know, back to where you guys are, have been, have gotten used to being.
3: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's going to take an infusion of some talent, and yes, there are some some bright young stars. Omar Fernandez uh, had a really pretty give and go uh, against New England a couple of weeks ago that uh, was very very pretty. I mean, they have a lot. They have decent young talent, but in an MLS 4.0 environment, when uh, teams are bringing in young South South American stars to serve as the engines of this team, um, they're bringing in team, from teams uh, players from Liga MX. They're they're you know dropping ten million dollars plus on players, hoping to flip them even to make a few million dollars profit, or they're you know signing Almiron and then flipping him for for a massive profit, um, whether it's the LAFTs of the world or the Atlantas of the world. And yes, you can say, well, the Red Bulls, you know, NBC, United, frankly, you're never going to be one of those huge spending teams. And you can also make the point that in the years in, in the energy drink soccer um world since marsh joined the team they haven't really been at the top of the salary rolls but you you just you can't be in a 2014 league you can't have the 23rd biggest salary role and expect that you're going to contend anymore you just can't so um you know as to your question yeah they're going to have to there's going to have to be a psychological reset with this team uh, you know Tim Parker, who set out the match with the with the with the red card that he had picked up the, the previous outing, uh, you know noted coming off the match. You know we're, we're playing for our jobs now, and you know Parker, to be honest, is one of those guys that regressed after signing a very large contract after the 2018 season, and we haven't seen that 2018 form from him. Um, you know even Aaron Long, who I know had wanted to make the jump to Europe and was denied. Uh, by offers that were too small coming from the EPL, uh, you know he, his play has is, is dropped a bit as well. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, again, this this team hasn't missed the playoffs since 2009, and even with 10 teams in the East, it, you'd be hard pressed based on the way the team has been playing to say that they're going to continue their streak. Um, it's it's uh, it's grim. It really is because in Red Bull fans' minds, it was Dennis Hamlet and Salzburg's uh, lack of desire to invest in this team um, and to continue to go younger and cheaper and younger and cheaper that has us where we are now.
2: Uh, well, there are two new players on the team, relatively new, I guess, is a better way to put it. Um, Drew Earwood just made his debut uh, for the team mm-hmm. against uh, the Union, and. Um, Samuel Tete came in from Red Bull Salzburg on loan. Um, what are your expectations for those two players? Because that I know those were deals that seemed to take forever to get done, at least from from being outside it. It seemed like I kept hearing about it for a long time.
3: Yeah, well, that's usually the Red Bull way, right? They it, it, Really, the Red Bull way is to not hear any rumors whatsoever at all about anybody. And then one day, Tim Cahill shows up on your team. I mean, that, that was really kind of how that went down <laughs> um, back in the day. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Drew Yearwood, a box to box midfielder, I mean, from what I understand, uh, you know, the team was thoroughly uh, emotionally beaten by the time he got on the field to make his Red Bulls debut. I, you know, I a box to midfielder isn't going to be a massive game changer when you're down three goals and your, your team has stopped running on the night. So to call his debut, uh, um, you know, look at things to come to too soon. I mean, for a team, once again, they haven't scored more than one goal in a game since opening day against the, the vaunted FC Cincinnati defense. Uh, and in addition, as I said, they've been shut out five of their last seven games. Anybody, uh, who can run and throw their body into the ball in front of the net is going to get my vote over anyone that's played so far uh, in the in the position for New York. So, yeah, I mean, for Teta, he has yet to be judged as being match fit. He made the bench. And, you know, the joke about this is just with Josh Sims in 2019, Teta is only on loan until the end of the calendar year. And the Red Bulls ha- do, unlike Sims, the Red Bulls have an option to buy, but we we got to actually see the guy play and we've got to have time to get him integrated into the squad, but they're just so desperate to have someone that can finish. Uh, and you can argue that that Tom Barlow has been unlucky a number of times. Brian White apparently has fallen off the depth chart significantly. He had 10 goals last year, which was pretty high up there for an American goal scorer in MLS, um, but has had few opportunities to get on the field this year. And Barlow, like I said, against Philly had a couple of uh, uh, notions, against DC had a couple of opportunities, but seems to be a bit snake bit. So we're looking forward to seeing Ted a start. I mean, looking forward, like looking forward to, you know, punching myself in the face after watching this team for 90 more minutes. But, you know, because my expectation so quickly has fallen to absolutely zero. Um, but, you know, when you're 25 years in, you show up and you watch nonetheless. So again, it's a very strange feeling for Red Bulls fans who spent most of the last decade, really enjoying things, at least until the playoffs started. And everyone is just, it's the land of thousand yard stairs right now. I mean, it is just, um,
1: Oh no, we used to have a good team. Oh no, now we have to be bad.
3: Well, listen. You had good teams that won cups, and as we, as we all know, we had good teams that didn't win cups. So uh, that cup is still the ultimate prize for us, and it hasn't happened mm-hmm. yet. And it seems as they continue to add MLS teams on a biweekly basis, it seems uh, <laughs> further and further and further away. And as I, you know, lose more hair and the rest of it turns gray, you just kind of have to wonder if this ever is going to happen. Uh, and the answer, is I hope not. Uh, Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, thanks
0: for that. <laughs> so, so uh, I want to take a quick detour away from from this upcoming game, which will surely be a, a five to four goal fest classic. based on both I mean, teams' <laughs> form.
3: Yeah,
0: uh, I want to talk about Red Bull Arena. NYCFC are also calling RBA home right now, uh, and reports mm-hmm. are that TFC and Montreal might be joining the Red Bulls and mm-hmm. the Pigeons there uh, for the next sprint, the schedule of which hasn't been announced yet, even as we are days away from completing this <laughs> six-game, three-week sprint. You don't get more MLS than that. Uh, but but I want to talk about this ground share and how it's going from your
3: perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that um, the, the the organization... Uh, frustrated the hell out of the supporters groups by for an NYCFC home game covering the South Ward in NYCFC blue banners, um, which, you know, on the one hand, I, I completely get the frustration. Uh, and on the other hand, it's like, look, you're not there. No one's there. It doesn't matter. There are tarps literally on every section in the goddamn mm-hmm. park. Like, you know, It was a really big check. I mean, I'm sure Don G, you know, told the the Grand Prix, look, this is the way it's going to be. And we're all just going to have to suck it up. And we are just going to have to suck it up because it it literally is what it is. It's crazy town. And um, I guess you can just feel confident about the fact that you've been chosen because of the unbelievable facility that Red Bull Arena is, uh, and and the quality grounds crew that do an incredible job keeping the field in good shape. I mean, uh, NYCFC playing there is really just a joke because for Red Bulls fans, the fact that their team has to come to New Jersey to play their home games after playing in Connecticut and playing at City Field and you know playing in Rhode Island or whatever the hell else they play, we we call them. Uh, New York area football club because they can't really seem to play in the city, which is their entire marketing uh, ethos. And for Montreal and Toronto, listen, the more the merrier. At this point, it doesn't even matter. Of course, Red Bulls too have been playing there as well. They're going to move to Montclair State, which is their usual home field. And Sky Blue FC was due to play at Red Bull Arena as well in 2020 as their permanent home. They also are playing at Montclair State as they restart in the fall, because as you know, you can't have a game there every night. I mean, maybe you can I I don't know. Um, But yeah, it's just a bonkers year. Um, It's not as if the Red Bulls are going anywhere. I guess the more the merrier, Um, but I can understand. There are some Red Bull fans that are undone about it, but it is what it is and you got to just go with it
0: unless Jason or Ben has a, another question for you i'll i'll close out with my my usual final question for our guests mm. uh if you were standing in the technical area across from Ben Olsen or, or sorry across from from i'm not even sure who the red bull uh it's
3: Bradley Carnell acting manager in interim yes the interim new york manager yes if
0: you were standing in <laughs> Ben
1: Olsen's shoes
0: yes that's yeah. that's the way uh how would you game plan against the Red Bulls? What would you be focusing on for this very particular version of them?
3: Well, listen. The, the way to beat the Red Bulls has been laid out by just about everybody these days. Is you play in a low block, you spend your you you put your speedy wingers up, you hit long diagonal balls to them to to play over New York's press, and you wait for a defensive breakdown to score. That's what you do. That is how you break the New York Red Bulls. That's it. I mean, it's, it's really been laid plain. Um, You know, you guys did it to great effect the other night. You did it to New York city FC as well. uh, And won yourself a wonderful golden point without taking a shot. And so, you know, and the Red Bulls have a hell of a lot less quality than, than NYC FC right now. So I I don't see any reason to do anything different. You definitely can get a point off of this team. Uh, You definitely can get three points off of this team right now. Although Maybe you'll have to wait till the 99th minute to make it happen. Uh, I know you guys are still down some important pieces, as we talked with Jason on our show uh, last week. But, yeah, I mean, let New York run itself into the ground. Uh, let them, you know, uh, try to attack with death from 10,000 crosses. Head them away and then get a quick restart and beat them. Um, odds are you'll be fine.
0: All right, well, we'll see if that comes to fruition for D.C. United. On one level, I really don't want to see this game plan again. <laughs> and on another level, I really, really don't want to see this game plan again. But we'll see yeah. what happens Saturday night on Buzzard Point. Mark, thank you again for for joining us. Tell our listeners where they can find you on the old Internet. Well,
3: yeah, sure. I, I know that all of your D.C. fan listeners are very, very interested in everything going on with the New York Red Bulls. They're focused on it day and night, but they can reach uh, out to us at seeing on the Twitter, on the Facebook. I'm Mark Fishkin, the deceptively named Mark Fishkin on uh, Twitter and, um, you know, enjoy it, folks. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. Uh, support us financially if you are so inclined and able at patreon.com slash filibuster. We're also on Twitter, of course at filibuster dcu for the podcast at black and red view for the website send your emails to filibuster at gmail.com download subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts mostly though tell a friend about the show when when you have feelings to work out about dc united um, we're, we're there for you so just just spread the word and and maybe some other people can can partake in this community service we like to think we're providing during the the worst of times for Jason and Ben and thanking Mark Fishkin one more time. I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason.
2: What if neither team takes a shot? Would that work?